addiction, trauma, abuse, uh, reparenting, all those things. Yeah, the addiction, trauma—that's more more the kind of stuff I like to talk about. Yeah, I have seen a different. What was it called? A different documentary, actually, about childhood trauma. What's that one? I've been studying it. I'm sorry. Which one is that? Daryl. Cracked up. Cracked up. Cracked up, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard that's very good. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's pretty good. When did you When did you see that? When did I see that? Uh-huh. I saw that about last week. I actually have 20 minutes left of it. Was that on the, uh, they were doing like a special like Zoom something, a live stream with them? I did see that. I did not attend, um, but I did see. Okay. And what was the what any unique uh, takeaways from the from the film? The what? Any unique takeaways that you got from the movie? I'm having a little difficulty <laughs> here. A little difficulty hearing you. <sighs> any unique takeaways you got from the film? Some unique takeaways from the film. Yeah. Were there some unique takeaways from the film? That's what I'm asking you, yeah. Yeah, I think what really stuck out to me was just the fact that um, it's like this super funny man who's super famous, kind of coming out and speaking openly about his experience um, with childhood abuse and his healing journey. Okay. That's not something that I I see often. What was the what what, what could you describe some of his healing journey? What did you describe as what? No, could you describe some of the 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 healing journey? The healing journey. What really sticks out to me is how many times he was misdiagnosed uh-huh. for for years by so many different professionals and doctors. Your borderline personality disorder, you've got bipolar disorder, just so many different things until finally he met this doctor who said, like who joked with him and was like, yeah, you're, you're real crazy. Like you've got these 15 diagnoses. You're on all these different medications. And then was like, actually, uh, you know, like you are, you're somebody who's experienced childhood abuse. Right. So some PTSD, for instance. Well, I mean, one perspective I've had that like all the all the DSM diagnoses are kind of as uh, I mean, you can look at them as all sort of manifestations of trauma. Just depending on how how the environment, how the genetics interplay, how how the how it maybe it might develop into bipolar, depending on what's going on, or schizophrenia, or yeah, but uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And what was the the guy that was about? What was he? Uh, what was he famous for? What was he? What? What was the guy uh, famous for? Interestingly enough, he is a famous comedian from Saturday Night Live. 
Oh, okay. He's got this super funny dude. He does all these impressions and all these voices. Um, and a really cool part of the in the documentary showed how he discovered his capacity for these impressions and for these voices in his childhood. It was actually something that helped him connect and feel loved by his mom because he realized that when he did the, an impression of a certain character, his mom showed him affection. So it was something that like connected him with his mom, who was actually uh, the abuser. Uh-huh. And then he became this famous comedian. It's, it's interesting. And that's the guy, Daryl? Yeah, Daryl Hammond. Right, okay. I thought, yeah, I've been seeing about him. I didn't know what he was, I didn't know that he was famous for, uh, yeah, that he was a famous guy. Yeah. Um, and he, he also uh, had issues with addiction, correct? Right. Yes, he did. What, and what was, the, what, what, what was his uh, healing journey uh, like? His healing journey with addiction? Oh, with trauma, addiction, both, yeah. It was a really interestingly filmed documentary because I think they wanted you to be part of the experience of what it was like for him to be discovering what these events actually were because he was only experiencing them in like flashbacks. He just had this concrete memory. Um, oh, okay, that's cool. Is understandable, like as trauma does mess with our memory, if you will. So it was a it was an ex- experience like watching this documentary uh, with his healing journey, going from being misdiagnosed, thinking he's crazy, um, to being correctly diagnosed and going through like real trauma treatment. Right, and what what was the what did his real trauma treatment consist of? I think a powerful. And I can't speak for him, but my experience, what felt powerful to me was seeing him begin to understand like how it impacts the brain. I guess I wish I got to see more of that, to see more of what that healing, like I said, I have 20 minutes left, so this is totally a, um, I'm jumping the gun on my own experience. I got to watch the rest of this. I'm not like a big Netflix person. Oh, it's on Netflix? I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Oh, it's okay. so cool to see this being on Netflix. Wow. No, I, I have to check it out then. I didn't realize. I, I've heard about the movie for a while. Was, I, I kept on seeing a lot of, from the trauma kind of therapy community, people talking about it, but I didn't realize it was on Netflix. But I'll definitely check it out then. Yeah, exactly. Same. But it, I just think about what could happen if somebody did stumble upon this. Right. On, on Netflix. I'm sure they will. I'm sure people will stop if it's on Netflix. Yeah. It's pretty cool to think about some of this, these topics and these, this language being more open. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things I remember, one of, I think it was the first time I, we, we met each other that we went to that, that event that was kind of like a, I mean, I would describe it as kind of like a woman's solidarity after the, the Me Too sort of, uh, mm-hmm. it was really kind of, on blast, if you will. But what was that? Do you remember that? What was that last part? I said, do you remember that? I do remember that. <laughs> uh, feels like a long time ago and like it was yesterday yeah. at the same time. Yes. I do. 
Yeah, no, I was just also thinking about uh, that that experience and then what happened with Epstein and then watching that the documentary on Netflix about him and it was a pretty wild story. But have you followed the story at all with the Epstein? The story about Epstein? Yeah, Jeffrey Epstein. I have not watched this, but I'm... No, no, watch it, but you know I, the story, though. Um, I do. Yeah. I do, and that's why I'm thinking I should probably check this out. No, I'm wondering, what what, what do you think about, yeah, that, that whole story? Will you get a little bit more specific about his story? Yeah, no, sure. I mean, one of the things that struck me in particular about it was is that this woman named Maxwell, who was sort of a, a British woman that went to Oxford, that was his sort of like, she was kind of like the Bonnie to his Clyde, and, and she would recruit women. I mean, they did in other places too, but particularly around Palm Beach, how she would go and recruit women and to uh, sort of entice yeah. women to do favors for Epstein, sexual acts, and then with like give them give them like 200 bucks and then well they would she would give the women 200 bucks to recruit other women so it was this sort of pyramid scheme of uh recruiting women which i wasn't aware of before which i thought was interesting yeah um i'm just thinking about how to word this i noticed that a part of me how do i say this I'm just noticing that my desire to be politically correct is absolutely here right now, but I feel capable with myself of experiencing both like immense compassion for people who may be sick and suffering and also hold that space that things are absolutely not okay, absolutely unacceptable, and that there really is no valid excuse and that like my capacity to have compassion for for people who may be who are sick and suffering absolutely is not does not take away someone's responsibility or accountability. Oh, a hundred percent, zero zero yeah. percent. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess I always just experience like curiosity. We don't wake up one day finding ourselves a convicted sex offender. You right. know, like as human beings, there's so much more, and I just I always feel like curious about that. Well, but I guess my my question wasn't really directed towards Epstein per se. I mean, it was more about well, I, I mean, well, I mean, I, I haven't really investigated her like what what's happened with this woman Maxwell that she was played a big uh, part in, that she seems to be, I think, running free is for for all I know, but but. I mean, one of the things I think always think about with these kinds of issues is, I mean, one of the ways to really prevent it from happening is that uh, if a lot of these women were, a lot of the women that they were, that were his victims were, came from problematic situations and were trying to better their lives. And if they, yeah, if they were from a more secure place, they probably, his, the 200 bucks or whatever he was, or he was offer, also offering more than that, trying to say that he's going to help with their careers and take and pay for trips and, and expose me have them meet mm-hmm. interesting uh, intellectual famous people and you know if people had more security they wouldn't this wouldn't be as compelling as and i think that's 
to me, the big, the big solution is trying to give people more security and, and not being so um, scared that they have to, re- that, they, that they see these kinds of situations or, as uh, wor- worth taking a risk to, to enter in. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, a little bit of difficulties hearing, so I'm going to ask just to make sure that I hear you correctly. I think what I hear you saying is these people, like these victims, Right. And what could help prevent that in the future? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, yeah. What, what, I, what I think the solution is, is, is providing people, helping them meet their basic needs, essentially. Yeah. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <laughs> but, I mean, that, that, that's a sad thing. I mean, Epstein killed himself, but, I mean, it doesn't really... I mean, it doesn't really help these people to get justice. Yeah, the whole, yeah, but. um. You know, whenever I hear the the words basic needs, I always wonder what that means to people. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to me? I mean, I mean things like not having to be scared if they lose their job that they're going to be homeless, having Mm health care, having shelter. I mean, that's, that's the things, I mean. I mean, it could also be other things like love and belonging, those kinds of things. But at the more basic level, I think of things like healthcare, mm-hmm. shelter, some some level of economic uh, security that they don't feel that if they lose the job, they're going to be on the mm-hmm. street. Yeah, like housing security, healthcare, you know, things like human rights. Right. But... Yeah. Uh, so anyway, what's so? How has it been for you practicing as a therapist during during this time? It has been interestingly. I'm trying to more normal than I thought that it would be. It's interesting to see how resilient people are and how, like, some people's capacities to adapt. You know, I'm just practicing from home, just taking precautions to make sure that, you know, I'm safe, my family is safe, my neighbors are safe, my friends, just doing my part, obviously, my clients, I'm not going to ask them to put themselves in a risk, risky situation. Um, so it's just been through the computer, which is feeling like the new norm. But have you found, uh, I mean, one of the things I've found from doing a lot of the uh, the video calls is, is that it can be kind of fatiguing. Have you found any difference in your well-being from doing a lot of the video calls? Interestingly enough, a large percentage of people that I work with are already video calls. Right. So, gratefully, I already felt super comfortable with that. That's, that wasn't new for me, and I got to hold space for people who it may have been new for. I have noticed I felt a little bit more tired at times, but I'm just kind of leaning in and I just, I ask myself, like, what do I feel like I need? And usually that sunshine and outdoors. So even for a 15 minute break in between clients, I get to stretch my leg, enjoy the sunshine and try to like feed my soul and take care of my the best that I can and just be gentle when I did feel more tired. Um, Because I did read an article about Zoom. Right. 
and how like being emotionally attuned and like paying attention to all the subtle changes through the computer can actually be more exhausting than in person. No, I, I found it to be true that I, I've read the article too. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely experienced that. So what, so you were talking about trauma and stuff. How do you, how do you like to work with trauma as a therapist? I like to work in a way that works with the client. I like to work experientially. I love inner child work, Mm -hmm. but uh, it really depends on the client and what makes them feel safe and what makes them feel secure and what places they're willing to go to um, and how, you know, I jokingly say like, this might get weird, um, you know, with us like throwing balls up and down, Um, you know, like love the stall. If, if that person was here, what would you say? Oh, I'm, you know, very experiential, very in the present while, while grounded. Um, that's my favorite art, whatever works, visualization, breath, meditation. Well, what about, do you do any of the EMDR, any of those other kind of modalities? I have, some NARM training, which is the Neuro Effective Relational Model uh-huh. um, that has been created from Peter Levine's somatic experiencing. Okay, yeah. Designed, yeah, designed specifically for developmental trauma. So I have some of that training. What would you, how would you explain what developmental trauma is? I like to keep things super simple and I like to use language that we can understand, not some crazy technical clinical terms. Developmental trauma, basically, I would describe it as like not feeling safe. Repeatedly not feeling safe, not feeling seen, not feeling heard, not feeling loved. I like to introduce the concept of big P trauma mm-hmm. and little p trauma. Um, oftentimes when we think of trauma, we think of like war, right, or sure. car accidents. Uh, rape but repeat repeatedly being emotionally invalidated that can be a little too lots and lots of little keys that add up um lots of familiar things that people have actually heard when people hear trauma they think of some big event oh no there was no trauma no abuse but then when we really start to to look at it people in their life have heard things like stop Right. Don't be a baby. Don't feel that way. Right. Which, you, which brings to mind uh, this piece of research that I remember reading that, that it actually talked about that, that emotional abuse uh, was more likely to lead to psychiatric symptoms and some of the other forms of abuse. But so one of the co-founding ver- uh, factors was is that emotional abuse seems to like occur with all the other forms of abuse. So it was hard to isolate it. But 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 I think there's something very toxic and uh, problematic, definitely, about the emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it makes me sad that this has a direct impact on our brain, on our ability to be present in our life, to be R- present with ourselves and other people, to connect and um, feel alive. But yeah, but the beauty is the brain can adapt, though. And there's the the neuroplasticity, and the brain can bounce back, back mm-hmm. and recover and whatnot. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. 
Yeah. So what? Yeah. Re- regarding addiction, anything new? Is I, I I feel that any new changes you've seen during the the uh, the coronavirus with people in recovery or struggling with addiction? I'm thinking about the people. I feel like I am got lots of recovered and non-recovered addicts of all different sorts in my life, from from friends to clients. I honestly have not seen and experienced firsthand a spike, although I am absolutely sure that with all this uncertainty and fear, there has been a spike. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really been so much uh, a part of that uh, community lately, so I, I haven't really... I mean, I've just heard some things in the news. I, I heard, I remember seeing something, it was an, a Vice article in England about how uh, drug dealers were, like, walking around in, like, jogging outfits, but uh, I thought that was kind of amusing. 